John Jereka on SAFM. The best thing about the Paralympic Games is that it raises awareness of Paralympians. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but if you think about it, the only real time you get to know about Paralympians is, what, two or three months leading up to Paralympics, and then they kind of disappear again for three and a half years, and then suddenly you start finding out about Paralympians again. We've decided here on SAFM that they deserve more credit, because just as much as any other athlete that gets millions around to play for the Springboks or millions around to play for the Proteus, Paralympians are working just as hard, if not harder, and they deserve as much recognition as they possibly get. So we're going to continue to highlight some of our Paralympians throughout the next three years. Why? Because they deserve it, and they deserve the money as well. How much does a Springbok rugby player get, and how much does a Paralympian get? I'm not going to ask Tyrone Pillay how much he earned for winning gold at the Rio Olympic Games. Congratulations to you, Tyrone. Thank you. How are you? And what's more important to you, money or the gold medal? Well, firstly, it was actually the bronze medal. Oh, the bronze medal. Sorry, somebody gave me the wrong thing. Um, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. It's never been about money. Yeah. Uh, I think when, when you speak to any Paralympian, it's it's the motion of going through and inspiring and motivating others to believe in themselves more than anything else. That's the most important thing, I think, is that inspiration. It's like goosebump stuff when you guys go out there and you say, what's your excuse? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm a perfect example, obviously, having an amputation uh, prosthetic leg, everybody tries to figure out what's wrong with me when I walk, because when I wear long pants, you can never tell, and then I pick it up and I say to people, what's your excuse, you know <laughs> the thing is, we're so quick to look at others and say, oh, but we, we, we're really ill or we can't do something, mm. look at others around you and look at what they're achieving, I mean I learned how to swim, because I watch all these people around me with one arm swimming so, you know, I have no excuses in life so, Okay, you're an above the knee amputee, how, how did that yeah. happen? Uh, it's something I had from birth, obviously, because mm-hmm. uh, it's a bit of a birth defect, so my left leg's not fully functioned from above. Uh, so you're looking at from my thigh all the way down, there's no full use of it. I, I literally can't put too much of pressure, so I have to walk in the aid of a prosthetic leg. How do you do shot put? Yo, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> basically, everybody says big fat guys, so we can just throw it as far as we possibly can. There's a lot into it. I mean, if you look at the training, we do a lot of explosive work in the gym, so three times a week in the gym doing explosive work. And then there's the technical aspect of actually physically learning how to throw, getting better at it, making the technical changes, you know, those kind of things. So it's one of the most explosive sports in, in the world. But if I think of a traditional shot putter, they start on the right or left leg and then they swap over to the other one or they do that spinning. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. how do you do it? I do it exactly the same way. Uh, obviously not as quick as, as your able-bodied guys mm. go, but the technique is pretty much the same. We've actually modeled the able-bodied throwers and that's how my techniques come about. And how much do you weigh? At the moment, I've actually dropped a bit of weight because of all the good life in Rio. I managed <laughs> to lose about four kilos. So I'm sitting on at about 106 at the moment. Okay. So you're, yeah. not, you're not a small guy. No, uh, apparently I've been called uh, various names. One was a unit and the other one was a tank. So I'm kind of <laughs> thinking that I'm a quite a big guy. <laughs> it, it's something the front rows of a rugby team are called. Yeah, There's a yeah big well, uh, when we, we play this game, obviously we select uh, amongst all the athletes. We always select who would play in what positions. And I've always been a prop. It's never changed. I'm trying to get a good warrior now. <laughs> Why shot put? Of all the sports you could have picked? Well, I, I used to play cricket for 13 years, and cricket was my passion. It was something I always believed that I could make it one day. Unfortunately, due to the disability, I couldn't go any further. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at myself, and I thought, where would I best fit? Obviously, sprinting was never my thing. It was never something I did when I was in school. I did shot, but I did this in school, but not to this level. So mm-hmm. I figured, hey, I could give this a shot. And literally, that's how it started. 
You mentioned discus. Could you do more than just one? Uh, shot puts, uh, I guess, in the able-bodied, you do shot put, that's it. But in disabled, yeah, yeah. there seems to be more you, variety. Yeah, I think also the athletes try to do multiple events to give them more opportunities. So whereas with me, I've only done shot put at Rio because there was only shot put. I started off actually throwing discus. And if my brother is listening, he'll say to you that I'm probably the worst javelin throw in the world. So that's why we put javelin aside. So we just shot put and discus pretty much. Okay, talk us through your career. I'm having a look here. Back in the Nedbank National Champs back in 2009, it's 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 been a long road for you as an athlete. Yeah, you know, if, if you think back at it, you know, I was looking at it. I mean, I started in 2009 not knowing anything. I was watching YouTube and I learned how to throw shots. So, I mean, if you go 2009 to 2011, I literally had no idea what I was doing. I think I've only <laughs> learned proper how to throw shots in the last few years. Mm. I was literally relying a lot on the power that I had. I was I was always a strong guy. So I depended on that a lot. So it's been a long journey, and, and it hasn't ended. I mean, there's still so much more I can achieve. I think as a shot putter, I, I just touched the iceberg literally. So mm. I think I can develop so much more. So hopefully by next year, July, at the World Champs, you're going to see a, a complete product. In building up to the Rio Games, you did get a gold. I know that much in, in a yeah. test event. So uh, yeah. was there a disappointment factor when you, you only came third? Actually not. I mean, if you watch the event, there's also a huge advantage to the guys that beat me. Both of them have both their legs. So it's not like they were amputees in any way. So they have an added advantage when it comes to throwing against a guy with a prosthetic leg. So I knew that from the start, but I don't focus on what the others do. I always Mm. focus on myself. And I've always said, if I can be the best that I can be, Mm. that's good enough for me. And so happened, it came out that I ended up with a bronze medal. I never set out to actually go there for medals. I never set out to be the gold medalist or the world record holder. The, the biggest thing was for me is the legacy that we leave behind for the next generation, and I think that was key for me. Uh, how do you compete against guys with two legs then? Surely you're in a different category? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way the classification system works. Um, they basically deem... So say, for example, you've got a knee problem, and for whatever reason you're unable to use your knee properly, like mm-hmm. the, like an able body throw would be, you can now compete against me, which is a flaw in the system, mm-hmm. but it's not something I can control or I can change. So we have to accept it and we have to move on with it. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it must be difficult at the best of times. Yeah. So uh, I, I love your attitude, Tyrone. Do, do you find all Paralympians are like that? So well, let's, you know, it's, what's the point of moaning? Let's just go be the best in the world. You know, that's the thing. I mean, if you if you look at your life and you look at everything that you've been through, have you got there because you moaned and complained and felt sorry for yourself? Or you just got out there and did the best that you could do? Mm. And I'm pretty sure every one of my teammates is like that. I mean, even the guys around the world. If you if you get involved in Paralympics, you'll actually realize it's a family. And everybody supports everyone. I mean, in every single aspect of your life. And, and that's really good. Whereas, you know, I can't comment too much on the able body circuit and how the guys are. But mm. if you look at how we are, it's such a huge family that you have. I mean, the guys will support you in your throwing. They'll be there, even if it means them getting up at 7 in the morning to come and watch you. They're there. And, and those are big things. Shot put's one of the shortest sports around. You do, what, six throws and then you're done. So how is, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, is the, how is the Olympic Games experience, walking out there and, and, uh, and, and the whole village? I think uh, for, for me, it was, it was uh, a complete unreal experience. I, I still don't know how to put it into words for people because... I dreamt about this moment from the time I was three years old. So, like I said to somebody, I had 33 years to prepare for this moment. So, you know, some of my answers are quite precise because, like I said, in 33 years I've actually been able to answer it. So, I think if you walk out and you see 70,000 people screaming in a stadium, I mean, the opening ceremony was out of this world. You know, when I got out there, everybody asked me what happened to me. Why was I jumping around, dancing so much? 
it's just the most amazing feeling, you know, to be out there, to experience the Brazilian public is just absolutely amazing. I mean, the reception that we receive from them, I don't think I've ever received that in any country that I've been to before. So I think from that point of view, what you received, the treatment was awesome. The people, I mean, I can't tell you enough about how great the people were. So if you look at that, I think that just built up into everything. And then the day of the event was just as good. You know, you had your family, you had your coaches, your teammates, and obviously all these fans supporting you. It mm. just pushes you on. Uh, is Japan in sight, the, the next Olympic Games? Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I work for for a motor manufacturer, mm. Toyota Manufacturing, which is obviously the sponsors for the Games. So I think they're going to love it if I say, yes, I'm definitely going to be there. So I don't know yet. You know, there's a lot of things to plan for. Uh, the next big target is the World Champs next year in London. That's what I'm preparing for, really. So we'll, we'll take it as it comes. Uh, I'm 36 now, uh, four years, 40. You never know. You know, there's lots of things on the cards. I, I led in by saying that you guys kind of disappear and then you come back again during the Olympic Games or the World Champs. What, is, what are you going to do between now and the World Championships? Where do you compete? How do we find out more about Tyrone Pelé? Okay, so obviously, sadly enough, there's not a lot in South Africa. Um, I think there's one championship or two at the most. A lot of the times we're going overseas. So all the guys go on a European tour from around June to July, compete mm. on there. And sadly enough, there's no recognition down here for what we've done there. So obviously, you know, we need to get some sort of media support, somebody who needs to say, hey, this is what's happening. The guys are gone on tour. This is what they've achieved. Yeah, and like you said, you're spot on. The Paralympics comes around two months before. Everything is a big hype. Two weeks after, and then everything's forgotten. Mm-hmm. And it's actually quite a sad thing because the athletes need the support. You know, we need to know um, exactly where everyone is behind you all the way, mm-hmm. not just only when you're winning. You know, it's, it's sad sometimes that the other athletes get forgotten because we're a team. Whether you want a medal or not, everyone should be recognized. And uh, in saying that, I've written down a little note. You're saying coaches. You mentioned your brother is is the one who has a bit of a dig at you. Who else has supported you over the last few years? Well, I've had a lot of people. You know, I'm very fortunate in that aspect. When I started off in my earlier years, I had no one. I was trying to figure this whole thing out on my own. I, I got a doctor. I got physios behind me. I have a psychologist, dietitian, uh, trainers, the full team. You know, you've got to go that route. If you want to be the best, you have to have an entire team. Um, unfortunately, I'm not blessed with having a coach with me in Durban, so I have to basically work with, with someone down in Cape Town. Sure. And also recently, I started working with somebody in Denmark as well. So I have them helping me on my technical aspects, but I don't have anybody physically with me. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes a huge problem, and I think it's something that needs to be addressed as far as what the available availability is to athletes. You know, at the moment, like for me in, in KZN, there's no coaching available. So I have to learn everything on my own, which is something I hope to change someday. Maybe I can become a coach. I believe I'm quite a strict guy, so I don't know if everybody <laughs> will want to come to me for training. I don't know about that yet. <laughs> but you've won a couple of medals at the Olympic Games. I think you can justify being a strict guy. Yeah, I, yeah. I think sometimes people think, you know, when they see the crazy guy jumping around at the Paralympics <laughs> and, and all those antics, they think I'm like a really chill guy. When it comes to training, I'm pretty uh. different, though. Just tell us about that. If you don't have a coach there, do you, do you take video and send it off? How do, how do you work with somebody in another city? So, one thing I always said to people, I might not be talented like a lot of the guys, but I give you everything I got. I'm one of the most dedicated, hardworking guys you'll find. Mm. Um, I hold a full-time job, so literally I work from 7 to 3.30. Uh, immediately after, I start my training, so I'm only home sometimes at 9 in the evening. Sure. So, literally, my, my dedication is what drives me through. So, in the gym, I basically follow the programs exactly to the key. If they say 10 reps and I'm struggling at 8, I stop and I finish the, the next two. That's mm-hmm. the way it is. That's the one bit of advantage you're going to have on your opponent. That one extra rep will make that difference. 
As far as the technical aspects, a lot of videos go in, send it across to the coaches, get them to analyze it, say back to me, hey, you know, your left foot hasn't turned enough, sure. your left arm is open, you know, those kind of things, and we work with that. And, hey, it, it's kind of worked so far, but who could have uh, predicted, I mean, getting a medal doing it that way? Tyrone, been great chatting to you. Good luck to you, and uh, build up towards those uh, world champs. Good luck. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Tyrone Pelegs, uh, bronze medalist at the recent Paralympic Games. He won gold at the Rio Test event, uh, is what Kulchik told me. So it was my fault. But a bronze medalist in the shot put at the Rio Olympic Games. We're going to podcast that. So that should be up tomorrow.